Low balls of magic. Hey, Alex. It's gonna be May. I know. We just were looking. Welcome to How to Be Queer. My name's Kim. My, my pronouns are she, her. Welcome to be. Yes, my name is Alex. My pronouns are they, them. It's been a hot minute since we've been on here. It's been a minute. It's gonna be May. It's 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 May. We're we're it's 21 days into May. It is. And we've been, we've been Audi for a hot second. We have been, but you know, I feel, is my microphone on? Do I sound weird to you? I don't sound weird. Am I no. weird? I'm not weird. I'm you're just not, me. You're not weird. I'm not weird. Well, I am weird, but um, I want to say, you know, the why I know it's May 21st. Why? <laughs> because your birthday <laughs> is tomorrow, May 22nd. Happy birthday. Oh, 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 I just heard myself. Yeah. Happy birthday to Alex tomorrow. You want to tell everybody about your birthday? I'm going to be 44. 44. Double fours. Some people think that's like a really auspicious number. Oh, I have a whole thing. I already. <laughs> you want to share it with everybody? Yeah, I can. And, but well, before we do that, hey, yeah. hey, welcome to our podcast, How to Be Queer. We are powered by Youth Scene. Thank you, Youth Scene. That's S E E N dot org. Go over and show them some love because they're amazing at powering us. They are. And we love them. We love them. Okay. Alex, it's gonna be May. All that I do. Right? That's the song. Back when um, Justin Timberlake had like curly hair and he looked like oodles of noodles here. He did. With he did. highlights. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think I, I think I did that. It's going to be me song and drag at some point. Of course. Of you course did. I did. Of course you did, sweetie. Yeah. I will say like, so I'm, you know, I'm just going to like run in like a million different directions and then we're going to bring it back. Cause we've lots of, lots of, we do have a lot today. to talk about, but so Justin Timberlake married Jessica Beale, mm -hmm. and she keeps making shows where she like violently kills people. Yeah, because mm -hmm. <laughs> we watched her in the center, and then we just watched Candy. Center. Candy was good. Candy was really good. Uh, now I was trying to remember the other one, the center. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you go, Jessica Biel, with your badass self. Like, but bam, man. Like, if I was Justin Timberlake, I might be sleeping with one eye open. <laughs> she seems very drawn to these characters that are hacking people up. Yes. Well, it, yes. And not to bring attention to him, but also, I mean, he spent a long time with Britney Spears. Yes, he did. And I, I, I you know, I got mixed feelings on Justin Timberlake now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Same. It's gonna be my, okay. We're stopping with that. <laughs> we have so many things to d discuss today. <laughs> Alex, why are we, what do we do? So it's going to be, it's your birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Alex. You're going to be 44. What would you like to share with us about your birthday? What would I like to share about my birthday? I mean, I wrote a thing. You did. Write a um, do you want to share it? I can. So we hung out with some friends last night for my birthday and um we made it a very small because we were not feeling like a big thing this year yeah well, you were not well and before and i know i'll share this but before we you know i guess a little bit more we've been um lifing jobbing soccering yes we've been having five soccer games a weekend from for weeks yes there's been a lot happening so i don't know dear listeners if you well, I'm going to take it a step farther. So we actually have something going on in our life right now that is, is a pretty big thing. Mm -hmm. And we're just not ready to talk about it yet. 
No, but it's it's but coming. It's coming. Yeah. And it's a freight train. It's a freight it's train coming. and it's coming. And when we do talk about it, I have a feeling we we are, are going to blow some we're going to blow some shit up. So if you listen then, to us yeah. and you're supportive of us, just know like we have gone a little bit quiet because we're dealing with something really big, but it's going to end very soon. It's going to end. Yeah. And when I think of too, like I'm, I, I've been, I've been, you know, blowing shit up as right that you're unearthing and hopefully creating more healing. Yeah. I, 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 I think this is going to be one of those things. If anybody, this is a legal situation that Alex and I've been, that's as much as I can say right now. It's been the hardest thing of our lives. It has been the hardest thing either one of us has ever dealt with. Yeah. And there is, um, we're a little bit in a situation where we just can't talk about it yet. Yeah. Um, but we are going to be able to, and mm-hmm. it's actually really important that we share what has been happening because I'm hoping that if anyone else ever finds themselves in the situation that we are in, um, that this will help provide some, um, resiliency. Yeah. So yes, we are in the hardest thing we've ever done in our lives. And you know what? We're still here. You're still here, motherfucker. We're still here, motherfucker. And we're not, we're not going away anytime soon. Nope. Still here, still queer, still loud. And guess what? There's a really big microphone in front of both of us. Love is love. And love is love. So, love is stronger than anything. Yes, it is. But okay. That's why we've been a little quiet. But we're we're yeah. back into a good cadence now. We'll be able to share hopefully in a couple of weeks what's been going on with us. But let's bring it back to your birthday. Oh, okay. Because it's gonna be May 22nd tomorrow, which is your actual birthday. Okay. You want to share? Go share. Okay. I'll share. Um, I wrote a thing for my friends and I wanted to basically try to um, be vulnerable and connect with them how much gratitude and love and um, what I've learned so far in, in my 44 years. I mean, it's yeah. Okay. So, um, so I said, happy birthday. It's my birthday and my friends and family hold all the gifts I'll, I ever need. Can I take you on a trip with me? Okay. <laughs> if I get long-winded, you can just like, you know, okay. <laughs> First I'll start by saying, you know how woo-woo I really am. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I went as far to think, well, I'm turning 44 in the year 22, which reduces to eight. Eight is Kim's birth date. It's an infinity infinity number. Infinity means forever and forever is freedom. 2016 was eight years ago when I threw my hands up in the middle of my kitchen and said, I give up. I just want to live. I told Kim and bro friend a story a couple of days ago about some bees that kept following me from porch to porch to porch. And I put a whole lot of me of like the spirituality of, you know, these bees are following me. I will read into anything and everything to find meaning because the stories we give to our lives are infinite and, and in a world that is not kind. It's not nice. It doesn't care at all. It just is. It's up to us to find things worth living for. And I wondered if I may have been burned alive in a former life. When I turned 22, I I remember wishing one day to be a wise 40-something-year-old. Sitting at my birthday cake as I made my wish, the universe said, heard. When I thought of the word wise, I saw someone with a long gray beard, lots of messy gray hair, 
life would be peaceful and a quiet smile on their face and an all knowingness. Well, a long gray beard. Yeah. That's fascinating. Okay. Keep yeah. Going. Well, I don't have a long gray beard. Thanks. God. Thank God. <laughs> Nor do I have any gray hair, but I am smiling and I have it, an internal sense of peace that I didn't have then. And a few days before this party, I began to write down some things to express my gratitude for all of you. Life is inspiring and precious and waiting to share how you feel with people is costly. One thing my mom did for me when I was a kid was teach me how to relax my muscles at bedtime when I couldn't sleep and it worked. Sometimes I'd have to repeat it several times, but eventually I barely make it past my knees before I'd pass out. What it taught me was letting go meant taking control. This though can really suck. I've learned that people come and go in our lives and the, and the midlife unravel is real. The universe does tap us on the shoulder and say, well, what'll it be? I come back to a song, the song Alive by Sia over and over. And I hear it differently, differently every time. There have been times where I've been swinging from the chandelier, another, another, another Sia, Sia song, song. <laughs> with my drink in the air, trying to live like tomorrow doesn't exist, but actually just too terrified to jump, to risk anything at all. I'd watch the world sway underneath my feet with only a hope that one day that scream coming out of my mouth is no longer a pleading for my own life, but a celebration. In the chorus, she sings, I'm alive with air and breath, lungs producing sound, how flying would feel. No longer needing to white knuckle the chandelier. It sounds like she's dancing around the black holes. Flowers springing up beneath each step, kicking up dirt, no longer getting sucked into the intense dark gravity, the kind that leaves you depleted in the corner of your mind, in the middle of a room full of people with a mouthful of glue. The words, I'm, I'm alive, come in like dancing with the darkness because we keep moving. We're no longer looking, the, looking to the darkness to give us an excuse to stop moving. Celebrating one of the greatest gifts of all, love within self and with others. So being 44, what I've learned so far is at the end of the day, I know nothing. <laughs> when I wake up and then I wake up and I try again. I've also learned if anyone says they know, know everything to run very, very far away. Yeah. I've tried to make it look like I know a lot and it doesn't work at all. The image of, of the wise grade human is false, but I got my birthday wish underneath the image was a desire and a need for truth, love, peace, community, and a family who is a lot, does a lot, a family where everyone is being big and celebrated that's what I wanted. And that's what I got. Be big, do big, encourage others to be big. To the woman in my life who has my heart and to whom we fly even higher, born on the eighth, my wife, Kim, teaches me every day to celebrate the beauty of being and living. I love how you'll be like, oh, it's Tuesday. Let's celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not celebrate if it's Tuesday? <laughs> I know. I mean, it's Tuesday. Why not? I know. Okay. We love that about you. <laughs> um, and the first to send out the group chats for dinner and all the things. Being with you is coming home. We know the rarity of having two souls, trajectories, meant to intersect, setting the course together to build ourselves and each other. 
and I get to wake up tomorrow morning with you in my bed. How lucky am I? Hey, hey. Hey, hey. And how, 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 how committed we are to each other and how much work mm-hmm. and love and the investment of, of, the, of the payoff of that. Um, Jen, th- thank you for having this gathering tonight and intentionally creating a space of joy for all of us. A look around the room tonight and I'm in awe, overwhelmed with gratitude and love. The real gift is that I get to be here with, you, with all of you. It's purposeful that we are together to have friends who stand with you through it all when your walls crack and you can't find the strength to stand on your own. The ones who don't try to change who you are and at the same time say, that's fucked up <laughs> when it's fucked up. <laughs> that's fucked up. You want to talk about it? Right? <laughs> Isn't that what you... That's what I say all the time. At work? At yeah. work. I'm like, that's really fucked up. We should talk about it. <laughs> what a gift to have friends with whom you don't have to apologize for going through life, for navigating hard things and being able to say, I don't have it in me today. It is a gift to be connected to people who inspire you to spiritually square up with yourself and show you that acting cool, aloof and collected is actually not cool. And who teaches you just by their energy, their presence, that you are values, that, that you are valued simply by existing. I find my heart over and over and over again in all of you who give me the gift of belonging all the time. The kind of feeling only found on this journey together. I love you all and thank you. That's a beautiful, beautiful. I I, I want to say like speech, but written, written, what, how, whatever words you want to use, but it's really beautiful. Thank you. I'm very true to who you are, especially when you're talking about, you know, dancing around to the sea of song and it's like the flowers pop up and avoiding the dark holes. Like I, that is how I picture you a lot of times. I mean, not just because you're a dancer, you are a dancer and dancing is yeah. for you a way of expression, but, um, that song I'm alive. Like I love Sia and I love that song. Mm-hmm. I will picture you turning 44 tomorrow, dancing around. <laughs> I love it. I probably will see you dancing around tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think too, I, I you know, we, and we talk a lot about energy and I'm reading this. Yeah. Tell us about the about book you're the reading book, right but, now, but just also like the, 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 you know, you can w- want a life to be a certain way, but until you decide and do the things, life will not be what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You ha- and so I think that was one, that's definitely been one of the, one of the things that I know that I work and learning and, and working on, like, it's great to have dreams and to be like, you know, energy, energy. But if you're not actively yeah. looking at your bullshit, like n- nothing happens. Well, we had this conversation this morning because I've been, um, I've been a runner for, for, I was a runner for a really long time. And so long story short, but when I was in my like early twenties, I gained a ton of weight, like 70, 80 pounds. I was really, really unhappy. And I know that when I'm unhappy or stressed, my go-to is like, that looks like carbs and fat. (laughs) Delicious. (laughs) Delicious. How much can I eat you? Uh, So whenever I've been through really, you know, stressful times, like, you know, I end up gaining a lot of weight and it's, it's not to say like I could be any weight and be you know, healthy and beautiful, but in particular, my stress and coping habit is not one that's good for me. Mm -hmm. So when I was in my twenties, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to like 
kind of pull my shit together. And I started running and I stayed running for almost 20 years. Do you remember what it was like when you first started? It was hell. Okay. It was awful because I weighed, I think I weighed like maybe 170, 180 pounds. And, um, and it was, you know, when I started, I'm like, I couldn't even run a mile. So, um, this is the way that I started is I bought it. I got it on a treadmill Okay. and, um, I would have a TV on and I would put sex in the city on. Okay. And that's why I became so obsessed with the show because I was like, and so I would watch it while I would walk on a treadmill because I couldn't even run. Okay. And you know, sex in the city episodes are maybe like, you know, between 25 and 30 minutes. And that was all I could do. Okay. But I committed, like, I am going to do this. And so I would get up every morning before I would go to work. And so I engaged in an active process Mm -hmm. to make my health better. Well, it worked. I lost, like, I think I dropped down to maybe like 135 pounds and stayed there for 20 years. And then COVID hit Mm -hmm. and everything got really, really hard. And again, things are hard. What do I do? I'm like, that looks like carbs and fat (laughs) and wine and wine. Like this is clearly going to make me feel great. It's now two years later. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't weigh 135 pounds. I weigh, I think 153 pounds, but I'd like to probably weigh more like 143 pounds. So these 10 pounds, and I've talked about this on here before, um, I'm, I, I can't cope with food and carbs and fat and alcohol anymore. So I was like, I gotta get my shit together. But the thing that I've given up during COVID was I gave up running mm-hmm. and you and I've talked about this and I can't really figure out exactly why I did it. I think life just felt really overwhelming. And so the idea of running, which has actually made me really happy for years, all of a sudden just became too much. Well, and you also had an injury. I did have an injury. I injured yeah, my like one an cat and then or, ankle yeah, or an Achilles tendon. I don't know. And so um, I've done other exercise and that's probably why all the carbs and fat has kept me, you know, at 153 pounds, right? Because I still wasn't trying to engage with my health, but for whatever reason, like, why am I not going back to the thing that I know that I love that actually keeps me feeling really good? I can't figure out, but today I was like, Alex, I'm going for a run and I did it and I felt phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me that this is like, it's the thing I know I need to do. And I don't want to do it. I don't know. Was that, did you have a different thought process going into it today? I think we've been talking a lot. And this is why I'm going to bring it back to the book that you're reading about when you engage in an active process to learn something, to do something, to heal something, you inevitably do feel better. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always relate this like with my work in, in equity, like I will say all the time, like there's no expert in equity work, but there are active processes you can engage in to becoming anti-racist, right? So like, I can't sit here and be like, I am the most anti-racist person on the face of the earth. Like, no, like nobody is, but I like being in, involved in something where I'm like, I'm growing, I'm stretching my brain. I'm, I'm not just shoving it away saying this is too hard or my, my fragility is too big. So could this be something like if we could get uh, white people to yeah, basically like, look just, at it like- Just look at it. Just start engaging with it and you you inevitably will feel better. Right. Right. Like if you can get through your own fragility and realize it's not about you, but yeah. you're involved in an active process to be like, I, I because most of us really do want to leave this world better than when we found it. Yeah. So it's an 
active process to start dismantling your own participation with white supremacist culture. So like, it's not like you're going to wake up one day and be like, I am anti-racist. Like it doesn't work that way. You have to actively work the process of dismantling really what's inside you. So I, I, it just, it's, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, these concepts and ideas, it's, it, it, you can apply this to anything. You can apply it to anything, anything in your life, anything in your life, right? It is the ability. And this is, these are my, this is just me. Like you ask, you know, anybody else, they might give you another reason. I can only relate to you what it was like for me. Okay. Right. And so it was removing shame and wokeness, right? So like, this is, this is what I've been. So whether it's, you know, my participation in white supremacist culture or, um, you know, for you, you know, you've, you've said like, you need, you really want to learn how to be a better listener, Mm -hmm. um, whatever the thing is, instead of sitting and feeling shame, like I can't, you know, I can't do this. It's too hard. I don't even want to look at it or wokeness. I am the best anti-racist everywhere. (laughs) Everyone listen to me. Like neither of those are going to work. So instead it's, Hey, I'm taking a good, hard look at like myself, the way that I show up in places. And like, what do I need to learn? Because I'm human. Does it come back to that thing we were talking about too, that like, if you can't bridge between the shame and you just have to believe that you can change. And that's one of the things that I'm learning right now is that if you, you have to believe that you can do it. Yeah. Whatever it is. So I have to believe like, whether it's like, I'm going to lose 10 pounds of, of COVID weight. Like I have to just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. I am doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so this like goes back to the book that you've been reading. Tell everybody what this book is. So this book is called You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start an, Start Living an Awesome Life by Jen Sincero. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Um, yeah. So what are you getting from this book so far? So Because I think we walk around saying, oh, I'm such a badass, but like do you really believe that you are? And that's what this book is about? Yeah. One of the things um, I have notes and it's like things are underlined, but one of the things I really, really appreciate is that I read the introduction. I'm like, oh my God, this woman is in my head (laughs) because she literally, she's super funny. Um, The first quote is you can start out with nothing and out of nothing and out of and out of no way, a way will be made. Read that for me one more time. You can start out with nothing and out of nothing and out of no way, a way will be made. I don't know if I fully understand that. What do you think that means? Or what does that mean so to you? Then she says, I used to think quotes like this were a bunch of crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is where like, with my, with this connected for me for like spirituality and self-help that like, um, you know, and then she gets later on into the book, but like it basically b- believing in yourself, but that you can start out with nothing, but that's still something. Okay. And that you will still make your way. That's how I see that. Yeah. I, I- Okay. That helps me because I, when you read that, I was like, I feel really stupid right now. I don't think I get what she's saying. Well, and I don't know that I actually said it with the right cadence either, but you can start out anyway. So, but even if I'm saying I've got nothing right now, I can still start and get somewhere. Yeah. There's another quote that's like, start with, start somewhere, just 
just start, start. Yeah. Just start engaging in an active process. Yeah. So tell me more like what, cause you've been talking about this book. You've been talking to me about it a lot. Like, what are you really, what are you getting from it? So that how we, um, I'm getting a lot of things from it. I'll, I'll say she's, she talks, she, she sets it up with a lot of psychology, which is helpful to understand how our brains work mm-hmm. and then connecting it to, um, this is pretty powerful when she talks about when you're born, how you are, you are fully present in the moment as a, like, like babies don't think about the future. They don't think about the past. They are, they just are, they just mm-hmm. exist. And then over time, our, as our brains develop, <laughs> it's so backwards, but our brains develop like basically like they make us more and make us feel like we're smaller and smaller, but mm-hmm. then our bodies get bigger. And so you spend the rest of your life kind of like trying to swap everything and go back to being in the present moment as a baby, but you're an adult. So I would say like my adult brain, um, that is always my challenge of like, am I really present and soaking in this full moment without worrying about where I was yesterday, where I have to go tomorrow, where I have to go in five minutes. Yeah. And she's, she just goes, just, just get over yourself that that's just how we operate. It is going to be a mindful, active process every single moment, every single day to decide you're going to, you're going to do these things to yourself. You have to build the skills to, to bring yourself every, and I've been reading a lot of stuff lately and everyone, every single person says you have to meditate. Okay. So this is like where (laughs) I I, I need fat and carbs right now, because you just said a word that immediately brings me anxiety. Yeah. So I've, I've been told, I remember I had this doctor once where I was just, you know, health. I'm always freaking in my, you know, and I, and I, I struggle with Western medicine. I just do. Mm -hmm. So I had this one doctor and I was, um, I think it's perimenopausal is like what I would, what I've been in and going through for a while. And so of course, like I came in like the total asshole that I am. I know everything that's going on with me. (laughs) I don't even know why I'm coming in here to see you doctor, but I want you to come and basically confirm everything that I think. (laughs) Right. (laughs) really doctors love me. (laughs) So I go in with this doctor and she basically was saying to me, like, you need to lower your stress levels. Mm -hmm. Right. Because my cortisol was like, bing, right. Mm -hmm. Like through the roof and all the shit. And so she told me that I had to meditate and I almost told her to fuck off. I said, can't there just be a drug for that? Which also, I I, I mean, I'm such an asshole, but meditation for me, I understand that everybody keeps telling me to do it and it's really fucking hard. Yeah. Well, I remember in, in Reiki therapy, you know, doing Reiki therapy, um, training and her just normalizing, like you're going to start meditating and your brain's going to go, you're going to, you're going to be all over the place and you just have to, just like when you did, when you were running, like you just keep coming back to like, like pulling yourself back to using certain skills. I was like, okay, this right. But, but it stops us when we, when we can't do something, I've definitely experienced this where I'm like, no, 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 this is, I I can't, then you just stop doing it. And then you cause a whole bunch of shit around you. But the, but the, okay. So I think running for me is a meditative process. 
right? Yes. I'm like, just keep moving. Look at the sky. Look at the birds. Look out for the bull snakes because it's May in fucking Colorado. Um, and so I do feel like it's that long sort of repetitive. And, and I know you said you used to get it when you would bike, like these 60 mile yeah. bullshit bike, bike trips that you would go on. It was like the, you know, it's like, a, it's like a form of meditation, I guess. Yeah. Well, I would get it too when I dance, but not so much when I, when I teach dance anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So to meditate though, like the only thing I have found recently that works for me is to go into the backyard mm -hmm. to lay down yeah, and to look at leaves in the sky, like the leaves blowing yeah. on a tree. Yeah. And if I can just look at them for even like a minute or two, if I can just do that and just be like, the leaves are blowing the sound like Aspen leaves make is also like really particular. Okay. Did you ever notice that? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing that, and I'm slowly trying to build up. And I will say like, if I do it even just for like a minute or two, it feels like all the tension has left my body. The problem is that after those couple minutes, I'm immediately like, and like right back in it. Yeah. So how do you carry that feeling through the rest of your day? Yes. It, it makes me think like, because, yeah. It's really hard to hold on to it. And I think in the cadence of our lives, we have four kids, we've got jobs, we've got Captain Underbite, we got, you know, there's always something and, and it, it, this is not unique to you or I, right. And so that even to be what feels like to be, even to like, take a pause, to take a break, it feels like that's a privilege. Most people don't even have. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so layered because if you, but if you don't take those breaks that you fall the fuck apart, you, you fall apart. And then also that, you know, I think we're all, um, guilty of that idea that it must, you know, it's all or nothing. Mm. And so, you know, mm -hmm. meditating does not mean you, you it's are the like, master of meditation, right? Your first try. Right. You just, maybe it's literally, you set your, um, your, cause I think of it like, okay, just go out and lay on the ground five minutes, give yourself five fucking minutes to like pull it in. I'm like, no, I don't want you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what are you going to lose? So, which actually brings me back to what Jen is saying in this book. So I'm reading this, this intro and I'm like, this is bullshit. She's like, <laughs> this is such bullshit. I can't even. So then when I start thinking these things and I'm reading it and I'm lit and I'm pulling it in, I'm also thinking, I literally wrote, read the, the, in the, the sentence that she's, she goes, she goes, stay open or else you are screwed. Okay. I mean it. This is really important. You've gotten to where you are right now by doing whatever it is you're doing. So if you're less impressed with your current situation, you clearly need to change things up. Oh yeah. Hold on. One more thing. <laughs> then at the very end, she goes, she kind of brings in some compassion and, and some love how, how I read it. She was like, just see what happens. What do you have to lose? Because what basically what you've been doing doesn't work. And if you get to the book and decide it's a bunch of crap, you can go back to living your, your, your crappy life. <laughs> or you could actually put your disbelief aside, roll up your sleeves and see what happens. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> yes. Fuck you and okay. Fuck you and okay. Okay, so I'm going to say this reminds me 
when she's like, what do you have to lose? Okay. This to me is where I'm going to say, cause this is where we're going today because we're coming into June, which is everybody wants to talk about pride. Yes. And pride is a resistance. Mm-hmm. And that to me is, this is, I mean, we, I, there's a million things I can take from that sentence, but yeah. for the purposes of today, pride is resistance. So what do you have to lose by, and this, I guess is when, you know, I'm doing this in a really shitty way, but if, if listeners are out there and they're like, you know, I hear people say like pride is a resistance all the time. And like, they don't really know what we, what it means, which is okay. Yeah. Right. That's why we're here. Your friends, your queer friends on how to be queer. <laughs> So Alex, when I say to you, pride is a resistance and I'm, we'll go through the history in a minute, but like, when you sit with that sentence, like what comes up for you when you think of pride as resistance? Well, um, honestly, I, I, I think I didn't always think of it as a resistance I, because I didn't know. Yeah. Um, I just thought of it like be be ha- be you know proud of who you are and but um i i wasn't be i wasn't able to be proud of who i was until i understood that i had to fight for who i am mm-hmm. um which i guess just brings in um we talked before we started recording like the act of resistance and the active resistance you're 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 putting forth effort towards thinking and doing something differently yeah i i think when i think of pride pride to me is is an is an active process which i'm like yep i like being in an active active space with it mm-hmm. pride is a resistance to me means no matter what this world does i'm not going back into a closet mm-hmm. so whatever laws you make um whatever shitty things people say, whatever compulsory heterosexuality is around me. Like, no, I'm still here and I'm still queer. What's your husband do, Kim? Oh my God. (laughs) If I have one more fucking person ask me what my husband does. Breathe, breathe, breathe. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But that to me is the, like, I feel like I'm constantly bumping up against people that are just like, can you just not be? And I'm like, nope, I can't motherfuckers. Yeah. So I, I I think for me too, um, there's a history that we're going to go into with pride, but now more than ever, with a with the anti trans and anti trans anti trans legislation and anti queer and LGBTQ protections that we're seeing, like it is more important than ever that we double down on pride as a resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you want me to, 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 to share some of the history? I do. Okay, I'm going to share a little bit, and then we're going to talk about one person in particular that sometimes doesn't get spoken about as much. And I have feelings. Okay. Do we want to, you know what though, before we get into it, can I go pee? Oh, go, oh, yes, go do that. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay. Thank you for that little, that little break. Okay. I'm also trying to drink like a ton of water every day. It is problematic. <laughs> it drives me crazy. I know. But I know that I know that I need it. Change does not happen without anxiety. Okay. Change does not happen. <laughs> I feel like I have anxiety all the time. I need to go stare at the leaves in the backyard. Me okay. too. Okay. So we were going to talk Ready about go. the history of pride. And then we're going to talk about one person in particular 
who I'm maybe a little fascinated with. Okay. <laughs> so pride celebrations, they take on a variety of forms. Um, it's everything like I, there's, there's gay proms, there's gay festivals, there's drag shows, there's um, huge celebrations um, that are all across the country, but where did it come from? And it came from in 1969, the Stonewall riots, which was led by Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, Miss Major, um, Griffin Gracie, and one other person who does not get as much um, in, in, named as much, but is is a really I'm kind of fascinated in, in who she is. But how did it all happen? So the Stonewall Arts, they weren't actually the first time that LGBTQ people stood up against police harassment. Um, and if you're asking me, if you're like, what is Stonewall? Stonewall is um, an inn in New York City in Greenwich, in Greenwich Village. And it was, um, you know, like, I guess you would call it like a gay bar. It was is a safe, it still it was, around? It is still there. It was considered a safe haven at the time in New York, but there, there were other um, riots, if you will, but Stonewall is kind of like, yeah, this is the one that like people really are saying like, this is, the, this is where it started to turn, but it was on a summer night in Greenwich village. Um, cops basically came into the Stonewall Inn and they started arresting, arresting patrons and forcing them into, into police vehicles. And so a nearby crowd grows really restless and angry. And eventually someone throws like the first punch. And there's a lot of debate over who this is, which is what we're getting to. <laughs> so they start fighting back. Um, and you know, we're, we're, I'm, please go and read about the history because there's no way for us to do a complete history lesson, but they are basically ended up forcing homophobic cops to retreat. Um, there were some aggressive street confrontations. They continue over the next few days and nights. And so following these riots, organizers wanted to build off of that spirit of resistance. So the following year, they organized a march in Central Park and they adopted the theme of gay pride as a counterpoint to the prevailing attitude of shame. Um, so that march goes down Christopher Street. My fellow New Yorkers, Christopher Street is one of my favorite places in, in New York City. And so that happened year one after the Stonewall riots. And so now it's become sort of a massive celebration that we know today. So all, all across they take on, and you know, for the most part, they're sort of in June, but there's lots of different places that have side pride celebrations throughout the year. But June is typically when we, um, when we sort of note them. So a few weeks after the Stonewall riots, um, people had gathered together for gay power rally in Washington square park. Um, and it was just clear that there was interest in holding these um, year after year after year. So the first parade in New York City was on June 28th, 1970, and it attracted thousands of marchers carrying banners and 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 signs. So that's why Pride is in June. That is why it is in June. And so since the beginning, Pride has been a political event. And although it may feel like a party, um, protests have always been embedded in this very reason for existing. Pride has always been a protest against unjust systems, even if it's lighthearted and fun. Um, so our community mm. organizers, Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, and Miss Major um, Griffin Gracie, who protested against the unjust treatment and advocated for legal reform even before Stonewall, but once Pride events were established in major cities, there were just opportunities to register queer people to vote. Um, Up Act, which was a group which was demanding action on HIV and pressuring politicians to express their support for the community by marching. So also in June, which is kind of fascinating the way time works, but June is also 
when the decision came down from the Supreme Court to legalize marriage equality. Mm. Um, always interesting to me, like how it ended up. And unfortunately, as we talked on here before, like I'm, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen this June with the Supreme Court. I think we all know. Um, and that language of right to privacy, like I'm certainly hoping we're not going to see a rollback, but I, I'm, I'm, holding out hope and preparing, which I'm sure many of our listeners are too. So pride has become really commercialized. Yes. Yeah. Really commercialized. And so how are we as activists? Like, what does this mean for us? And so, yeah, it's really led to a lot of concerns within the community and outside the community, because people are obviously aligned with us in allyship, but it's moving away from its protest roots and it is it, it is becoming more of a party and right now it's coming at a time where there is a lot of work that still needs to be done um so one of the ones that like was really fascinating to me is that google started um sponsoring pride in san francisco and the activists were like you know i i don't know google like what are you actually doing to dismantle some of the dis- the discrimination that's facing so like when corporate sponsors are coming in like you know, and I think of like even Disney, like how Disney was basically giving money to these Republicans and but they had gay day and then they have gay day. And it's, it's all very like, come on, like you can't show up at pride one day a year and be like, oh, I'm so with the gays, but then be participating in this legislation. Like this is something for a lot of people that might be voting with parties that are um, aligning uh, with Republican leaders right now, like I, I, you might want to really take a long, hard look in the mirror before you show up at pride. Yes. Okay. So anyway, the one in San Francisco, it, the organizers were outraged to see that local pride event was partially funded by Google, despite the company's refusal to address homophobic harassment on its YouTube platform. How do you do that? I don't know. I guess because you think it's a party and it's, and it's not, it is People are at pride, yes, to celebrate who they are, but it started as an act of resistance to gain rights and awareness. Yeah, and and it reminds, it uh, it reinforces that idea that gay people are like it over still over sexualizes and like. Um, oh, I mean, I've seen many a person come down to to pride, and I would. I get I, I, some of some of what I like what I see happening is that there are activists that are are starting to position independent pride events in many cities. Yeah, that like no, you don't get to come in and sponsor, right? Um, and so for those events, the the purpose is that they are trying to disrupt orderly, wealthy, and corporate funded events to remind everyone that pride is about more than just rainbows. It is about radical change. Can I get a fuck yeah? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'm just thinking of like, you know, how it's so easy for organizations to throw up their, their, their pride, their, their rainbow, and then they do nothing. So I guess like for, for, if we're talking about a little bit about allyship, and then I really want to talk about this one person. Um, if you are even in target and cause target always has their pride line. Yeah. They add tomboy X. Yeah. What we tell everybody what tomboy X is. Um, it's a line of gender affirming clothing, um, underwear, binders, um, and it used to only be online. And, and now so they're doing it in the store. Yeah, so, so Target has taken on 
the clothing line and they sell it in Target. Yeah. So like maybe a question for Target while you're, you know, profit, you're making profits off of your pride line. Like maybe the question is like, what are you doing to make sure that your staff, maybe it's that there's gender neutral bathrooms available to your staff and to your customers. What are you doing to talk about anti-racism work? Um, are you giving money? to different political campaigns that might be participating in creating legislation that is about the dehumanizing of trans kids. Like that's the, the, that's the kind of thing I hope that we can get back a little bit to the roots of what like pride is a resistance. It is a resistance that we have to keep fighting. So do you think, do you think it's like organizations try to separate the education piece or like the, the work from, yeah, I, I mean, like they're I not telling their employees like, okay, we're going to be inclusive, but we have to do all their. So many use like Nordstrom as an example oh, here. Yeah. Okay. Cause Nordstrom to me is like that. They're a really great example of an organization that I have seen that has aligned their values and principles with training. Yes. Okay. So Nordstrom, um, they are, I mean, and they're, they're, I think they're a pretty like decent company and, and, you know, I, I seriously hope like somebody is going to end up emailing me being like Nordstrom's evil and here's why. And I'm going to go into a puddle and cry because it feels like everybody's fucked. So Nordstrom, um, they do a lot of, of pride lines. And when you had just, um, we, we, I remember we were, we were looking to build a new wardrobe for you mm -hmm. that was going to feel more gender affirming. And when we went to Nordstrom, we found out that Nordstrom puts a shit ton of money into training their staff so that when our transgender community, our queer community, our gender nonconformity, when they are coming into the store, you feel supported. Mm -hmm. And so they put their sales associates through extensive training to create that environment. So that to me is like, yes. You can go sell your pride stuff. I will happily go buy your pride stuff because you have committed corporate dollars to creating a safe and affirming space for people that are not a part of heteronormativity. Yeah. It's, we talked a little bit about too, but Nordstrom is also typically, or Nordstrom has a price mm -hmm. point mm -hmm. that it definitely excludes yeah. a lot of people. So, so, so what, but that is absolutely like, there's a bit of like, you, you got to have a certain amount of dollars probably to go in there and shop. Yeah. Um, but also that they're putting the money in. Yeah. I mean, it's not target, but it's not, you know, it's not Saks Fifth Avenue. It's not yeah. Neiman Marcus. It's, it's, it's a nice, like sort of mid-level market, but they're, they're at least putting some of that money that they're making off of that pride <laughs> merchandise. And then they are putting it directly back into making sure that it is a safe an affirming experience for anybody walking into their store. Yeah. So I'm like, I will happily go Nordstrom. It, it's more so when I see, thanks to Citizens United, where we see corporations that are putting money into political campaigns and those political campaigns, which then end up in legislation that is incredibly harmful to people of the LGBTQ community. What Citizens United? <laughs> That's another podcast. Okay. I, I will look that up. Noted. I'm going to put it on my list. Um, if I was going to say it in a sentence, it's the, it's the ability for, um, corporations to put money into political campaigns. Okay. Thank you. Um, okay. So getting back to 
why and I, that was really in eloquently put and i know there's a lot more to talk about with it but i'm trying that's not our topic for today <laughs> it's all the things it's all the things so can we talk about the one person that we think maybe threw the first punch at pride back in 1969 at the stonewall inn yes you want to tell everybody about them <laughs> <laughs> you're getting schmoopy on stormy okay okay uh stormy um, I, I'm going to slot. I know I feel I'm like not I need exactly to... sure how to pronounce their name. We're good, but okay. So picture it stormy, picture D- it 1969 Stonewall Inn in New York city. It is a hot night and we've got, you know, uh, the, the Stonewall riot that like the police are starting to come in. They're starting to harass people. And there's what was a very famous sort of person Storm A. It's gotta be a storm. It's gotta be Storm A. Storm A. Storm A. D. Sorry, I I no 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 go go go. I interrupted you. No, I'm still stuck on on their name. I'm like, yeah, this is like we're not sure if we're pronouncing it right, but maybe a person that does not um get a lot of is like a little like sort of hidden figure in the um history of Stonewall. Yeah, they're queer AFAB biracial person. Yeah, so Storm A. Storm A. Storm A. We're going to go on a limb and say that they pronounce their name Storm A. Do you want to tell people about Storm A or do you want me to? Well, I've heard, um, I'm using they, them, but they th- this article that- um, It's on GQ.com, re- a yeah, brief history. They use her, so um, I'll, go with, I'll go with her. But, but she was a gender fluid dresser, did some drag. Um, they call her a butch lesbian. They think they don't know for sure, but she was the first one to throw the, um, to, she was the one that threw the first punch. Well, she says that she was the, she, she admits that. Yeah. So like, and they say like, oh, nobody knows who threw the first punch. It's rumored that she did. And she said she did. Okay. She told me she did. (laughs) That's what she told me she did. A legal legal guardian. of. Okay. How, you know, I read Stone Butch Blues in college. I wonder if that's a whole other side. (laughs) Side okay, Avenue, back but to, back to Stormy. Yeah, was born in New Orleans in 1920 to a black mother and a white father. Yeah, spent the 50s and 60s as the only male impersonator in the Jewel Box Review, the period's only racially integrated drag troupe. There were around 25 guys and me, is what she was was quoted as saying. So several photographs of her with her castmates. And they're in like, they're sort of channeling the male kroners of that area. And this is where you got to go and see some of these pictures. Um, She's beautiful. Yeah, she is. Um, But she was known to have worked in Chicago as a bodyguard to mobsters. I mean, who's this fucking badass? And, um, you know, that's maybe where they think she picked up some of her style tips. She was a freaking bodyguard to mobsters in Chicago fucking love it okay cute yeah so at the jewel box um she mostly appeared in drag um on stage only she'd often walk around new york fucking love new yorkers and her suiting starting something of a trend she was doing it and then other lesbians started doing it interesting okay yeah, there was a legendary um, photographer, Diane Arbus, who in 1961 did a portrait of her called Miss Stormay, and the lady appears to be a gentleman. 
that's appeared um, in a, as recently as a 19, or I'm sorry, a, a 2016 expedition of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, um, these pictures. And so you can actually go to gq.com and read a little bit more about her and see some of the pictures um, of her, but she was a kind and gentle and uh, yeah, just an honest soul. Um, she became the Rosa Parks of Stonewall. Mm-hmm. Um, lived for several years at the Chelsea Hotel. Yeah, she was. They're saying she 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 was already demonstrating a revolutionary attitude and approach to style. Yes. So she she is no longer with us, unfortunately. She did pass away, I think, in nineteen or in twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, she passed away, but she's ninety four. Yeah, so she ends up living. She's, I mean, really remembered as a as as gay civil rights icon and entertainer. She um, performed and hosted at the Apollo Theater and Radio Music Hall. She worked much of her life as an MC, a singer, a bouncer, a bodyguard, and a volunteer street patrol worker um, with the guardian of the lesbians in the village. I want to hang out with her. I want to hang out with all of them. She's known as the Rosa Parks of the gay community. She was also born on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Um, it, the influence on fashion that she had. Um, all these suits and these hats and these ties, like I am dying. Like yeah. that, yeah. She is considered to have been the influence on gender non-conforming women's fashions, fashions decades before unisex styles had become accepted. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So in her in her life after um Stonewall in the 1980s and 90s, she continued to work as a bouncer for several lesbian bars in New York City. She was a member of the Stonewall Veterans Association, holding offices of chief of security. She sounds like a fucking badass <laughs> motherfucker. Right. Ambassador. And then in 1998 to 2000 was, was vice president. She was a regular at the gay pride parade and for decades served as a community and volunteer street patrol worker. Uh, as I already said, the guardian of lesbians in the village. I, I know a couple of lesbians out there that listen to this that are like packing their bags right now to get to New York City to find these guardian of lesbians in the village. Described as tall, androgynous, and armed, she held a gun permit, (laughs) roamed the lower 7th and 8th Avenue points um, into the 80s, sidewalks checking in at lesbians' bars. She was always on the lookout for what she was, was, we would call like ugliness, any form of intolerance, bullying, or abuse of her baby girls. Mm. She literally walked the streets of downtown Manhattan like a gay superhero. She was not to be messed with by any stretch of the imagination that was part of her obituary in the new york times uh, i'm gonna take a page out of her book yeah she's a fucking badass yeah she also organized and performed benefits at many battered women and children's sheltered um, when asked why she did this work she replied somebody has to care <sighs> yeah when people would say to her why do you still do that it's very this is what she said it's very simple if people didn't care about me when i was growing up with my mother being black, raised in the South, I wouldn't be here. Oh. Wow. So in June of 2019, she was one of the inaugural 50 American Pioneers, Trailblazers, and Heroes inducted into the National LGBTQ Wall of Honor within the Stonewall National Monument in New York City's Stonewall Inn. 
Uh, it is the National Monument that is dedicated to LGBTQ rights and history. And the wall was unveiled um, during the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots. So what ended up happening to Stormy? Well, later in life, she did suffer from dementia. Um, she did live in a nursing home. Okay. Although, does she have family? Uh, well, it's, I, I don't know. They don't say much about her family, but it does say that she did not recognize that she was in a nursing home. And okay. her memories of childhood and the Stonewall uprisings remained strong. Um, and June 7th of 2012, um, pri uh, Brooklyn Pride honored her um, she, for her fearlessness and bravery. She did. She peacefully died in her sleep on May 24th of 2014 in Brooklyn. There were no immediate family members were alive at the time of her death. Um, Lisa, uh, I'm not going to pronounce your name right. And I'm sorry. Canastrasi, uh, became one of her legal guardians that stated, you know, she, she, she died of a heart attack in her sleep. Okay. Um, she remembers her as being a very serious woman when it came to protecting people that she loved. So in honor of stormy bodyguard, gun wielding, androgynous, kick-ass lesbian, <sighs> keeping the people of Manhattan safe. Yeah. Big, yep, let's continue with our pride as a resistance. It's interesting to me when I look at pictures of her, Alex, because it's really clear to me where drag king style mm -hmm. really, I mean, she, if you, if you, you know, if we were saying she's a black mother and a white father, um, the pictures that I'm seeing of her, it looks like she has bleached out her hair, that it looks white. I was thinking the same thing. There's another picture that you can tell it's actually maybe, well, she's just older. It could be gray, but yes, I was thinking, yeah. I mean, she's quite a striking, striking. um, a striking uh, person, but it, it, her style in this, like, I'm looking at this picture of her and I'm looking at you and I'm looking at her and I'm like, wow, I really see there's like a bit of a resemblance here. And it might be the, the, the white, the bleached out white hair. Yeah. But what a badass. And I am going to take a page out of her book and I'm not going to get a gun, but <laughs> I'm definitely going to walk the streets and be like, how's everybody doing? Who can I throw the first punch? Who wants to fuck with me? <laughs> I would like that first punch to be on DeSantis. Can I be, can I channel my inner stormy and punch Ron DeSantis in the face? Yes. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Okay. I have your phone number memorized I'll totally, now. I'll have the, I'll, I'll be right there and the, I will have the getaway car ready. <laughs> that's what we need. So as we continue on through the month of June, I I'll think I'll hold them down for you. Yeah. And then you could just, <laughs> then you just keep punching. That's, I, that's how I can help. I hate Ron DeSantis. I want to hurt him. <laughs> I think I could take him. Oh, I totally think you could too. Right. Yeah. I'm going to channel my inner stormy and be like, come here, motherfucker. Are you fucking with my people? <laughs> okay. So through the month of June, do you think we should continue to share like stories of, of people from pride at different activists? And just like, just like we did with stormy today, like, Hey, like, mm -hmm. look, look this human up. They seem like a real fucking badass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like the idea a lot. Okay. So listeners will be, we'll continue to bring this stuff to you. Yeah. If, um, if there is someone in particular that y'all would like to hear about, um, please email us at how to be queer, how to be queer podcast at gmail.com. And it's your birthday tomorrow. 
And maybe can you So if you, this is the last question I'm going to ask and then we'll wrap this, this one. But uh, okay. if there is one thing you want for your birthday tomorrow, what do you want it to be? <sighs> Don't you wish out into the universe, Alex. Can I say it on air? <laughs> What's the second thing you really want for your birthday? <laughs> You're such a my parents listen to this. I'm sorry. Not sorry. Your parent, your mother listens to this. Hi, Emily. Hi. We're all it's, we're all adults. It's fine. Okay, I'll just be quiet. Um, I uh, I'm s- simple. You know, good food, coffee, some. We could get you pastries for tomorrow morning. Pastries. Um, yeah, like hugs from the kids like just um maybe listen to see a song i'm alive yeah yeah celebrate you got it babe yeah just there's so much to be grateful there's so much to be grateful for Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm just yeah well happy birthday thank you we're coming back uh next week Yes. Um, we'll be, we'll be on next weekend with, but who knows what we'll talk about. <laughs> I said, we yes, never like, know. sure. I'm like, but yes, we'll just, we'll, but yes, we will. Yeah. Um, send us your comments, thoughts, ideas, just reach out to us and say, hi, we are going to be at a local pride festival, which maybe we'll put some information up on one of our social channels. If you want to, you can stop by. We've got some really fun, free things that we're handing out to people mm-hmm. for pride and just know everyone that I'm channeling stormy this year. So if you try to mess with any of the, the, the queer population at the pride festival, I will be throwing the first punch. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, you just see, you, you say these things and then my brain goes right to like imagining it. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm going to like, like how, yes. <laughs> All right, balls of magic. Thanks for spending an hour with us. We love you. We love you. Check us out again. That email, how to be queer podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook. And we love you. Thanks for listening. Y'all, we wouldn't be here without Youth Scene, the organization that sponsors this podcast, How to Be Queer. Youth Scene envisions a society where young people are empowered as individuals to access non-judgmental and unbiased treatment in every aspect of their lives. They encourage the creative creation of a community that celebrates everyone's worth, diverse characteristics, and dignity. Youth Scene provides mental wellness, resources, education, and support for all the LGBTQ communities, including youth and their families. So head on over to Youth Scene, that's youth, S-E-E-N.org, and click on connect to give your money to support this organization dedicated to supporting our queer, trans, black, indigenous people of color communities.